Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Cal Football is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network in Northern California, and is available on all major platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, you name it. Believe in Cal Football is also brought to you by OS Day Bar, Cafe, and Rooftop, located downtown Oakland, and the QL Gaming Group. Check out their betting boards at betql.co. Hey, what is up, Bay Area? It's your boy, GPS on the mic, and I'm back with Kevin Riley, and this is Believe in Cal Football on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network in the Bay Area, and we are back and excited to talk with you. Kevin, how you doing? Doing great. Great weekend of football, watching the Big Ten, and just a couple weeks away from Pac-12. A lot of football this weekend. we got a lot to talk to, and as you just mentioned, even more exciting, we're getting closer and closer to that Pac-12 start date of November 6th. Of course, the Bears, we're going to go against UW November 7th at Memorial Stadium. Yeah, and just release, it is the night game. So Pac-12 after dark is back. Definitely excited for that. And speaking of that, I know sometimes the Pac-12 network is kind of one of the more like pesky networks to acquire. It has deals with some network providers and not deals with others. So I recently bought a Samsung TV, uh, a new one, obviously, and it came already embedded with the Pac-12 network. So since I've had that TV, I've been able to catch some pretty good games. Obviously, since football hasn't started, they're playing a lot of classics. And I'll tell you one I caught the other day. I started my football week on Friday this week. Friday night, I caught a classic, 2003, Cal versus Utah. And I'm pretty sure this game is like the emergence of Aaron Rodgers because to start the game was Reggie Robertson for Cal, and he was going head-to-head with, of course, Alex Smith at the time. Didn't really go so well with Reggie Robertson through the first quarter. They made the move to Aaron Rodgers, and I have a feeling the rest was history from there. That sounds accurate. I've actually never watched that game, but I uh, know from a couple guys that were there during that time that said that was a changing. Yeah, it was pretty cool just because I was kind of randomly searching through the TV, and that's when I discovered that it already had Pac-12 Network. And sure enough, what was playing at the time was this game here. And as I was saying, back in 2003, Alex Smith is probably the bee's knees in the NCAA at the time. Of course, we know how the story with him and Rodgers continues to play out. But yeah, it was a highly contested game. Utah was a top team in the Mountain West, the top team in all of, or a top team in all of college football. And Reggie Robertson, although he was a talented player, he, he really couldn't seem to move anything with the offense. Rodgers came in and it, the whole offense looked completely different. Just the throws he can make, what he allows you to do. And as we just said, I, I think they never looked back from there. I will say uh, Alex Smith and the Utes do end up winning that game. Um, you know, sad ending, but it's just kind of cool to see that progression and then to know everything that ensued after that between those two quarterbacks and just in general kind of with that draft class. Yeah, I know uh, Reggie was a great teammate and a great quarterback, but Aaron is one of those once-in-a-lifetime um, quarterbacks. And, and, you know, from practice, it's probably hard to keep a guy off the field when he shows you every single day what he can do. And it was just one of those things that the coach decided to make the switch and the rest is history, like I said, because Aaron's just phenomenal. <laughs> Still yeah, is. The things so. he does, uh, and even the things he says sometimes, like that guy is just on another level on more level than one. So, <laughs> yep. yes, yeah. you know, we love, we love covering the guy, love talking about him. Speaking of quarterbacks, why don't we talk about our current signal caller here at Cal, Chase Garbers. 
um, I want to say, without doing too much deep research, I feel like he's probably the most experienced quarterback returning to the Pac-12, and I feel like he probably has the most like balanced skill set of a pro-style offense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chase, is, I think he has the most starts uh, of all the returning quarterbacks in the Pac-12, and he really, like, I mean, I think everybody knows the Ole Miss game last year. It finally, like, clicked for him. It always takes a quarterback a little bit of, of time, and he just started seeing the field better. His anticipation was better. He was thrown with, like, more purpose, where I always thought he kind of floated the ball, and that kind of changed. And uh, every game from then on out that he was in the lineup, he, he played a good game, and he's he's very athletic, so he can always extend plays with his uh, legs as well. Um, besides him, I think he is – one of the top ones, and then you'd have to give Slovis at USC. He had a great year last year. Um, Definitely. And uh, he, he has he's not a superior athlete, but he has great pocket awareness and can move and make throws. And then uh, the uh, Daniels kid at Arizona State is also a good player. Very impressive freshman campaign and being very smart with the ball, not throwing very many picks. Uh, I would say those are the top three guys in the league for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree there. That may actually cause a little bit of a rift in the Garber's household. I'm sure if uh, Mama and Papa Garber heard us say that, they would take it a little bit as a slight because they have not just one kid as a quarterback in the Pac-12. They may, in fact, have two kids calling signals in the Pac-12. But, of course, I believe it is Ethan Garber's who may, in fact, win the starting quarterback job at Washington, who we'll see sooner than anyone else. Yeah, that would be a... It'd be an awesome storyline. I know from their scrimmage, uh, UW is high on their defense and offensively. They're they're not there yet, and they haven't found a quarterback yet, um, which usually means they don't have one. They fully sure. are invested in yet, but also it gives a true freshman more time to get reps and show what he can do because that's the hard part of camp is when you come in as a true freshman, especially with no spring ball. You know, coaches can't really see what you can do, so this has given them an opportunity for sure. Right, it's definitely going to be a window of execution there for whoever's going to step up at UW. Definitely a storyline we're going to monitor because that that would be really cool if, if we can get a little Garbers on Garbers action week one. It'd be a little bit of bragging rights for Thanksgiving. That'll come shortly after that. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to say I'm rooting for Ethan Garbers up north just uh, so we can have that plot going forward. Yeah, it de- I mean, it'd probably be good for UW too to get a true freshman, get them all four years. I think the other guys are pretty young as well, but... He had an epic high school career, so he probably has what it takes. And um, big adjustment that would be good for us in terms of the first game, playing a true freshman. It'd be a lot of nerves going on. Absolutely. And I'm wondering now, as I think about it, I'd have to do a little bit deeper research. Shame on me, but I wonder how many occurrences there is of brothers starting against each, or opposing starting against each other at quarterback, either in the NCAA or the NFL. How many times that's happened? Oof, can't think of any times offhand. I know we were discussing earlier in the week. We have Jay and John Gruden, but I don't believe John Gruden ever played in the NFL. There's the McCown brothers, but I, I really can't recall them going head-to-head at any given time. Of course, we have the Mannings. I'm, I'm sure that they have any number of uh, NFL matches under their belt. But, yeah, just something really cool to follow, and I'm sure no one is more stoked about it than Mama and Papa Garber. Yeah, absolutely. Besides the Mannings, I can't think of anything off top of the head but we'll get back with some information next week on that we've got to do some yeah, deep we'll research definitely uh do our homework and due diligence there another piece of cal news that i really should have hit on last week but you know no time is 
better than the present. C.J. Anderson, after we mentioned his retirement from the NFL, he is returning to the California Golden Bear football program as an offensive quality control coach. Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, especially him being a Bay Area kid as well. So it should only help on the recruiting standpoint. And obviously with his experience in the NFL, it's a perfect situation for him to teach kids what he's learned and also learn and hopefully have a successful coaching career. And I think great co- I mean, great coaches come from anywhere and everywhere these days. But the fact that he's gone through three different levels of football at the, I mean, you could probably even say four if you include Pop Warner, but three different levels of pop are of football in the Bay Area from going to high school to then shining at uh, Laney Community College and then transitioning to Cal. So it's, you know, you feel that he'll be able to relate to a, a lot of, a wide array of players with the, kind of that background. Yeah, and he played with some, uh, in some great systems and with some great players in the NFL as well. I mean, I can only imagine those years in Denver, what he learned from those guys, and then also being with McVay. So he probably has a strong football knowledge coming in. Yeah, definitely great guys to absorb info from. Before we get any further in the show, for you folks out there who like to live a little more on the wild side, and if you're not in any range of a casino, please, I'm telling you, I wouldn't steer you in a wrong direction. Get to betonline.ag. Plenty of action going on from game scores to game half scores to even player props. There is a ton of opportunity to be had. Get there now to betonline.ag and tell them GPS sent you. Yeah, and uh, so I'm betonline that the Bears are four-point underdogs to the dogs. So start hammering that right now before it starts to change. And not to get caught with any conflict of interest, but I'm all over that. And you didn't hear it here, but, you know, maybe you did. So that seems (laughs) like a good bet to me. Oh, yeah. Uh, Moving a little further through other Pac-12 news, uh, there was recent news last week of the Holiday Bowl being canceled. Yeah, it's a bummer. Um, Was at the Holiday Bowl as a redshirt freshman, and just it was a – great event they truly hosted the city hosted each team well the events were great uh it's it's sad um hopefully they get it back next year and i think everybody that goes there san diego is such a great town and you know not having a pac-12 team there was the first time i've ever been there in my life and really enjoyed it and it's too bad because it's one of the better bowl games for the pac-12 yeah i can certainly attest to that uh san diego is a world-class city in fact, they have the nickname of, quote-unquote, America's finest city. I was lucky enough to spend a couple years there going to college at UC San Diego. And the town really got behind the Holiday Bowl because it was kind of like a weekend for not only the teams involved, because obviously you don't know you're going to be playing there before the year, but just the local San Diegans was kind of like a weekend they would always have circled because the Holiday Bowl, as we were mentioning, is played at SDCCU Stadium, as I think they call it now. Um, just out there in San Diego where the Chargers formerly played. And, yeah, the San Diegans love it. It's a really big deal in town. There's a lot of cool stuff going downtown in the gas lamp area. So, yeah, definitely sucks to see it go this year. Of course, we understand just the situation of life right now. We're lucky to even the fact that we're going to have games. But, yeah, you never you never like to see the fact that we won't have the Holiday Bowl because I think that is kind of a world-class game. Yeah, it's a midweek nationally televised game. You know, the whole country's watching because it's a primetime game and in the bowl season. So uh, it's too bad. And like I said, hopefully everything gets back in order or we get it back next year. Definitely. And I've shed all the tears I can for it. You and I, I know we're both tough guys. We're going to have to move on and just accept it. So since we're still on the topic of Pac-12, let's get back to our mascot wars. So for anyone who missed last week, we took a page out of Washington State former head coach Mike Leach's book 
to where we pretty much have pitted all the mascots in the Pac-12 against each other to see who is the coolest and the toughest one. So at this point, we are down to three schools left in the North Conference, or North Division, I should say, and three schools left in the South Division. In the North, we have, from Washington State, Butch the Cougar. From Oregon State, we have Benny Beaver. And, of course, from our beloved UC Berkeley, from Cal. Oski. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to go with the Golden Bears here, because Oski, I don't know if he's going to win a ton of fights, but the uh, actual bear will. And this one, I think, is a no-brainer. you got to go. The, the Beaver's just going to hide in his dam. The bear's going to wait eating fish outside of it and then finally get his chance and the cougar is just doesn't have um the power um to withstand the bear the whole entire match so the bear is definitely the clear winner in that one so what if i phrased it this way of the three since it'll be easier to get down to two instead of just going to one here of the three butch benny beaver and oski who is the one that is certainly not making it out Benny. Benny's gone. Benny's gone. Yeah. Benny's gone, and that's from a true Oregonian, but Benny is out. <laughs> yeah. I respect that. I respect that. You called it how it is. So from the north, we'll have advancing to round three. Next week, we'll have Butch and Oski going head-to-head. All right. Now let's move over to the south. we got three teams here. So we've got Ralphie the Buffalo from, of course, University of Colorado. We've got Tommy Trojan down south at SC. And we've got Sparky, who may be the biggest wild card in this whole tournament. Sparky, the Sun Devil from Arizona State. Who, out of those three, is absolutely not making it out if all three were locked in a room? I'm going to have to go with uh, Sparky, just because it is kind of a myth creature. And I think the Trojan, with its battle experience, will edge him out. And Ralphie uh, is holding strong there so he's gonna he's gonna be there so i think him and the trojan um with uh, sparty sparty's out yeah i can understand that i can understand that i originally maybe saw it going a different way but i can understand that because as we spoke last week about when we kind of referred to sparky the sun devil he's got mythical powers that be and maybe things that we don't fully understand but what i do know is i've seen every harry potter i've seen the mummy one i've seen the mummy two no matter what mythical powers are out there, there's always a book somewhere that can counteract that. So I'm banking on that. Sparky's not making it out of the second round. So going to the third round, we'll talk next week. In the south, we'll have Ralphie the Buffalo squaring off against Tommy Trojan. In the north, as we already alluded to, we will have Butch the Cougar going up against Oski the Bear. And that's where the mascot wars will lie from now. So moving on from there. It's a good semis right there. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think that's kind of the, the final four I wanted to see. And I don't want to get too much into it now because I do want to save that for next week. But uh, I think uh, we can make a case for, a, for pretty much each one. But yeah. we'll see where the leaves lie after that. But, yeah, let's hop into some of the college football action we had this past week. Uh, week eight in the college football season, but week one for the Big Ten. What do you think? Um, it was – it was good seeing the Big Ten back on football, and it was like true fall weather. It was, looked like it was cold at a few games, and the big schools uh, looked good. Uh, I think, you know, besides Penn State losing a surprising game to Indiana, which who knows if he was in or out. I thought he was out, but Penn State should have won that game by more, so it's their fault for letting Indiana take the big lead and stay in it anyway. Um, Wisconsin and their new quarterback, Mertz, Looked really, really good. Um, 
and Illinois lost a lot of talent from their bowl team uh, last year. But um, we'll see what happens with him too. It'd be a first true big-name COVID player who tested positive in the Big Ten, being like the Pac-12, taking it serious. So it'll be interesting to see the protocols that are done with him. Um, and then uh, yeah, right. Ohio State looks like Ohio State. They're going to be the team to beat. And Sure, no surprises with Ohio State. Yeah, and I, I would say Michigan um, looked good. I thought Milton was a very efficient passer, and he brings a different element to the running game. It looks like uh, you know they replaced a ton of starters and – I don't think uh, Minnesota's defense is as good as, good as it was a year ago, but uh, I think they have what it takes to compete a little bit more offensively where they've kind of stuttered a little bit in the past. Um, so they look a little bit more explosive. So we'll see. Uh, they got Michigan State this week, and Michigan State lost and uh, didn't look good, but I think they had like seven turnovers. So that, that could be a game where they come back and compete a little bit better. But I saw the spread was like 24, but I think uh, it's going to be a little bit tighter than that, especially in a rivalry game. Oh, agreed. Agreed. Absolutely. I think every time the Wolverines and the Spartan gets together, it um, it is always the gap is kind of always bridged. No matter how high or low one team is, they kind of some seem to meet in the middle somewhere. And what we're usually left is a pretty entertaining product. So I have that one actually circled for next week's game to watch for. I, I really like um, I'm not sure to think who's the home team. I think it's Michigan State going to Michigan. So I think they're going to Ann Arbor. And, yeah, I think that's going to be a really great game to watch um, next week. Michigan was fun to see this week. Um, they ran the expletive out of the ball. They, they ran it hard and consistent. And I got to think here, uh, I'm a guy who's kind of followed Jim Harbaugh through from even University of San Diego and then to Stanford and obviously his time with the 49ers. And now he's here at Michigan. And I'm, I'm wondering, is his leash getting a little bit shorter there? Because I don't believe he's beaten Ohio State once. And obviously Michigan hasn't had any, like, big time success so you, what do you think about that situation yeah i think it's getting warmer it's so hard i think his worst year is nine or ten wins um but they've gotten drubbed by ohio state the last two years and uh, we'll see i think if they have a bad year this year then he'll kind of be a little bit pressure on him but um you know they've been consistent enough and close enough where i think you want to stick with them and hopefully you know, Milton's the right guy and can take him to the next level. Sure. He's a guy, yeah, Harbaugh, always a guy that I root for. Not, I don't particularly have any vested interest with Michigan. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm kind of indifferent in that area. But, yeah, I, I'd like to see Harbaugh maybe get at least one win over Ohio State. But it really doesn't matter what I'm hoping for. It's um, up to power. It's greater than us at the moment. So, yeah, definitely, definitely going to be interesting to see if Michigan can kind of take that step up further or kind of stay stagnant as they have the last few years. Another game I think was particularly interesting. We did mention it briefly last week, but number nine, or at the time, number nine, Cincinnati traveling to number 16, SMU, and they beat them pretty good. I think Cincinnati got out of there with a 42 to 14 win. Their quarterback, Desmond Ritter, he, he ran for three touchdowns and nearly 200 yards. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I, we both mentioned they're both good teams, but Cincinnati's been a good team with good talent for quite some time and I think that showed up on the defensive side of the ball and uh, just ran the ball down SMU's throat in the second half with those big plays and uh, they just look like a complete team. Uh, defensively they're solid as well and they got a tough matchup with Memphis this week but I think Cincinnati will take that as well so I think they're the group of five leader um, that's the best team and we'll see how SMU responds. You know, they, they played uh, Tulane, who I thought looked like a good team, but Tulane got worked uh, last weekend as well. 
So they they may have a couple more tough games, and we'll see how uh, Sunny Dykes does down there. Oh yeah. Now before we move away from college football in this episode, another thing that I missed last episode because I want to say it was the day we recorded the show last week. It was the 14th anniversary of Marshawn Lynch, quote unquote, ghost riding the cart at California Memorial Stadium. It's a, it's a moment everybody in Cal football history, I'm sure, is familiar with. We should have mentioned it. I apologize, but I'm mentioning it now. Yeah, that was uh, that was my first year. I was redshirting. Um, you know, it was a game against UW, and UW was kind of in the dumps. Uh, they weren't a good team at all. Um, I think they had a guy playing his second game. I can't remember his name. Uh, whatever. But uh, they kept with it, and they played well on offense the whole game, and it was competitive. And Marshawn really took over in the second half for us and then that first score, and we got that pick by Dez. And I just remember running on the field with everybody else. <laughs> Marshawn almost hit, like, 30 people on the team, and he's just hey. whipping through everybody. It was crazy. Yeah. I think anybody else, you're getting chewed out, but it ended up being epic. And like I said, it's a big yeah. thing with Cal football now. <laughs> Marshawn doing Marshawn thing. And, it, yeah, it, it even was a bobblehead last season, and – Yep. I'm super upset. I didn't get to go to that game to obtain the bobblehead. I'm I'm on the I don't want to say the black market. I'm on the secondary market in search of it. So if you see a good deal for that bobblehead, maybe pick it up. I'll Venmo you or or vice versa. If you want one, I'll buy two. That way, it's a it's a pretty cool looking bobblehead. But it is. I'll keep I'll keep my eyes out for it. Actually, now that I think about it, and I'm really surprised. I never thought about this before. The one beef I have with that whole situation, and actually Marshawn as a as a local East Bay area guy. Would to everybody refers to that as him ghost riding the golf cart, but like I, I grew up in the Bay at the pinnacle of the hyphy movement, and he didn't ghost ride it. To ghost ride something, you get in your car, you get it rolling, you put it in neutral, and then you hop out the car and dance around it. I'm not recommending this in, in any fashion or so. So I think even like if Marshawn were to look at that, he would know like that's not actually ghost riding the whip, that's just more spinning the whip at the sideshow, is what he was doing, which that's fun too, but. I don't know how I've never noticed that, that he didn't yeah. actually ghost ride it because you got to get out the car. And again, it's not well, a safe practice, but it is yeah. a, a part of, you know, my adolescence nonetheless. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think he had the dance. I had the dance going on while he was riding it. Golf right. Stop. And, you know, how he was kind of skeet skirting. Right. The, it's, you know, it's had, absolutely a pop culture icon in the Bay Area and all of the state really now. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I just kind of wanted to. Just get a little mention in there for that because I, I saw it all over my Instagram feed, all over my Twitter feed last week. Just kind of wanted to round back to that. Let's move now, though, to the NFL action we had in Week 7. And we had actually a pretty full plate of action. A lot of close games and um, some pretty interesting games for our teams with vested interest in the Bay Area. Obviously, San Francisco 49ers, Las Vegas Raiders. Yes, um, MC West is continuing to look just so good um 49ers completely bounced back after a couple of that bad game against the dolphins they look good again uh, their offense is clicking on all cylinders against the pats who have struggled the last few weeks and you know the rams just taking a, a good win against the bears and jared playing a very efficient game against a good bears defense so it was a that's a good win for the rams right there yeah they i know in the nfc west everyone's really just trying to keep par with the seahawks and that has resulted in everybody everybody being super competitive. I mean, we saw how good the Cardinals are with their win over Seattle last night. The Rams play a solid game week in and went out and really do have a lot of talent. And as we just mentioned, the 49ers have tremendously bounced back after the embarrassing, embarrassing show against uh, 
Fitzpatrick in Miami. This week, Jimmy G returned to Foxborough. They really didn't need him to do all that much. He he racked up some nice yardage. Um, I don't think he threw a touchdown. I think he threw a couple picks, but one of them was kind of like a garbage time pick at the end of half or near the end of halftime. Yeah, they were efficient with the ball and they ran the ball really well. And yeah, the, it seems like they're getting back to what they do. Their defenses look better. I think one thing going for the 49ers is they're super good at linebacker, and that's actually one of the positions they haven't been hit too hard with injuries. Between um, Fred Warner and, and Greenlaw, they, they just fly around. And I think that athleticism and that speed is kind of grounded them a little bit. Yeah, and uh, I think, like I said, I think the defense is coming back to what, how they were playing last year. Um, and they lost key, some key players on the D-line too, so they're still adjusting there. But Jimmy played an efficient game, and that's I just love Shanahan as offensive coach. That uh, run scheme they have is just genius you know the new running back gets hurt every single week and then right. a new guy in and, and the next guy goes for over yeah, 100 just about every week it's just like his dad with the broncos um yeah it's it's impressive and uh they're, they're fun to watch and they're like you know when they're clicking and when you have a, a run team um just be efficient it's just good football to watch and you know the way that cal was when i was there and when the offense is rolling and, uh, it was it was good hopefully they can keep it up yeah, I think especially I'd like to commend Coach Kyle Shanahan. It seemed like he really, really was in a play-calling groove. And we already know he's a very effective play-caller, but just that game he seemed to be pushing all the right buttons with um, the different long motions and rip motions. It seemed like nothing he could do on Sunday was resulting in negative plays. So, yeah, I feel like Shanahan really did his thing this week. Yeah. We can move on now to the Las Vegas Raiders, a game the Raiders actually came out pretty strong in. Like I said, they have a good offense. Their defense has been playing a little bit better. I'm sure John Gruden wanted this game extremely bad because, as we talked about, it was his first time going head-to-head with Tom Brady since the infamous Tuck game that no Raider fan likes to talk about. But the offense just seemed to stall, really, in the second half, and I have a feeling it's kind of how thin the Raiders were at offensive line by the end of the game. I know they took a couple injuries. at There was, I think, an injury at tackle and at guard. I know Gabe Jackson went out, or he got ejected, and coming into the year, I thought that was the best unit on the Raiders was their offensive line. So I guess if their offensive line goes, it might be kind of hard for them to operate. And Brady and the Bucks, man, they were they looked super effective all game, defense and offense. So kind of hard to deal with that. Tampa's on. Looks like he's lost age again. Um, he's looked really good since that Bears game, and the team has looked good. I think uh, you know, I heard that stat they had about – 12 penalties against the bears and they've had four in the last two weeks Wow! and uh you know that's very efficient and tom has looked you know incredible his arm strength it looks live (laughs) i mean he threw some balls that were incredible he looks like a young gun throwing it he does and um you know their defense they have those linebackers are absolutely incredible and they're the best run defense last year i think and you can see that and that that caused the raiders some problems but uh I think uh, if you look at the last two weeks and all the talent that Brady has around him right now, they, they're – I bet you uh, – if you bet it, look at the betting odds right now, and uh, they're probably the favorites. They look uh, really good. Yeah, I think they're just total, complete football team. We mentioned those linebackers, hyper-fast, hyper-athletic, fly sideline to sideline, can cover any wide receiver, tight end that's coming out of the backfield. I think Tampa Bay truly can be cooking with gas, and as we mentioned – Brady in the offense seems to be clicking more each week. 
I notice he's developing a little bit of a rapport with Scotty Miller. Seems like he's kind of taking on that Wes Welker, Julian Edelman role. Um, to it, it looked like Mike Thomas. He he didn't throw to all that much yesterday, but obviously Mike Thomas is Mike Thomas, so that guy's going to be fine regardless. And then Mike, also uh, Mike like, Evans. Mike Evans. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Mike, that, yeah, Mike Evans okay. is, or sorry, Mike Thomas is, <laughs> I guess, worrying about other things right now. But yes, Mike Evans. Yeah, great player. He didn't maybe get that many looks um, this past Sunday. But, yeah, he, he's going to get his. So, I don't think yeah. that's anything Tampa Bay will be worried about. And then God, Godwin obviously played great. So, yeah, that, Tampa Bay, tons of potential. And that's a crazy thing. I think, uh, you know, you look at people talking right now about Belichick and Brady leaving. And, the town, you know, I think one of the problems with that is Brady wanted more talent around him. And they've just, you know, Scotty Miller has got a little more speed than Edelman. And Welker did. And you can see that him beating people deep. And then Evans, Godwin. Gronk kind of looks like old Gronk. Right, um, Gronk that, was on point. That uh, this other guy's name, uh, Thompson or something like that, who's had a touchdowns back to back weeks, and then now them bringing Antonio Brown, so they have to have oh, the right. deepest wide receiver core in the NFL. And now the nice thing about Brown is, I think Brady and Arians are the type of personalities that can control him, and if he's in sure. his mood, they'll just let him go. Yeah, I think I even heard Arians just mention that public publicly because even before the season when kind of everybody was dangling the Antonio Brown question like the, the media was asking every head coach about it and when they asked uh, Arians about it early in the year or before the season he was very adamant that that would not be even a possibility but here we are coming into week eight and it is now come to fruition so I think everybody in the world is cu- curious to see how that's going to play out whether he's going to be a productive receiver whether he's going to be a superstar receiver like he used to be or whether it's going to be a jerry springer show so <laughs> yeah. yeah and that's the running backs are deep oh they've just got so much talent right and as we mentioned about gronk gronk is starting to look younger and younger every week i i had a feeling it would take a few weeks for him to get comfortable in the system again and just after not playing for a full year taking contact again but Gronk looks like the Gronk of old, and I saw him and Brady continue to break records as now they're tied second all-time for a touchdown tandem. They just tied, was it Steve Young and Jerry Rice, I believe? So only behind Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison, Tom Brady and Gronk. It's uh, almost etched in history. It's crazy it's a tight end as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) when it's all said and done, he may have a very, very good case for top tight end all time but i'm a tony gonzalez fan so i don't want to go yeah. too far down that That's road at the moment yeah. you know tony put in his time for a long time and the uh, records are on the wall yep. so how about the sunday night game last night we had uh, kyler and the cardinals outlast russ and the, the previously undefeated seahawks in overtime and both quarterbacks made a lot of tremendous plays but ultimately it came to russ through three interceptions and i think murray only threw one and that last interception in overtime is what did the Seahawks in? Yeah. Um, I mean, 5-11 and under game for the quarterbacks, and those guys are both so much fun to watch. And Kyler has a different quick twitch um, than Russ. Russ is fast and athletic, but Kyler you know, looks like he's a wide receiver out there making people Sure, I think him. Russell looks a little more smooth, but Kyler looks more explosive and yeah. both ultimately incre- quicker. Yeah, both incredible throws. Uh, Russ's picks were that one in overtime kind of threw me off. You could see that they were like, disguising pressure and i think he just thought he was going to hit it in the pocket behind the linebackers but sure. the receiver wasn't on the same page as him and he threw it short in front of the safeties yeah it looked like the linebacker was stunting and i know they were sending pressure at russ all night so when yeah. you're getting pressure all night you're probably pretty used to it and right linebacker just well, that was one time they didn't send him and he dropped back and made the big play at the time and 
Arizona wound up walking away with the victory. But really good quality game. NFC West, super wild. The wild, wild west. Yeah, it's um, boy, it's going to be a fun, a fun next half of the season. Yeah, and, and as we talked about after the Patriots-Seahawks game, um, you know, it's the same story, really. Everybody's scoring against the Seahawks. They need to figure out their defense if they're going to win a Super Bowl because if they can figure out their defense, then they are the favorite because their offense is rolling. Right. Their, their defense can't put pressure on anybody. And, right, the style that they're winning games, it is taking oof. so much, I feel like, out of Wilson and Lockett and Metcalf. And, yep. and w- they're performing at such a high level, but, like, to depend on that, week in and week out, and then when the playoffs come around, it, yeah, I mean, it just doesn't always go that way. But Wilson and Lockett right now, I feel like, are more locked in than obviously anybody playing right now. But these guys, the level they're at, like the, the distance of throws Wilson is hitting Lockett with and Lockett just such a true pair of hands, they're, they're really something to see. Yeah, and it's unique um, ways some of those loft and that just you know the trajectory of Wilson's throws to him are, are impressive you don't see it very often yeah um, T-Hawks you know they're not going anywhere we're going to see them will they be able to go all the way well that's not really for us to decide or or to even predict at this current moment we can kind of finish our NFL coverage here let's get into pro bears hashtag pro bears definitely a better week than last week for our pro bears I know last week we had a couple injuries we had both Cal quarterbacks in the NFL not play very well. This week, though, a bit of bouncing back. So start on the defensive end of the ball. We'll run through the four of them very quickly here. From Pittsburgh, defensive end, Tyson Alu-Alu. couple tackles and a tight win over Tennessee in a pretty good battle of undefeateds. New Orleans, defensive end, Cam Jordan has two tackles and a win there over, I believe it was Carolina. New York Jets, safety, Ashton Davis, the rookie, He's getting a little bit more playing time. He had three tackles this time as I feel like the Jets, the Jets defense probably played their best game of the year last week against Buffalo, but ultimately they did lose a close one to their division rival. And lastly of our defensive pro bears, the Washington football team head coach, you bet it, Ron Rivera gets a big win over Big D, their most arch rival, and his defense looked really, really good. They held Dallas to a mere field goal, and on top of that, Ron Rivera he finished his cancer treatment, as I'm told. So yeah, I was going to say, he rang the bell for his cancer and uh, and then got a great win. Um, really cool to see. It was good to see uh, Washington play a complete football game. And, you know, uh, and they made a couple quarterbacks, which is year. And uh, Kyle Allen, um, despite efficient, I think if some teams score on him, they're going to have to ask him to do more. But like you said, how the defense played, it was, it was a great win. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think the sample size with Allen isn't quite large enough yet to fully know what we can expect from him. But yeah, he managed that game very well. And as we were saying, the, the defense put put the Washington football team in a good position. And I know this is a organization that's catching a lot of flack right now, and they're going through definitely a transitory time. But you know, it's our guy Ron Rivera. We're we're always going to look out for him. Just he's top notch guy, top notch coach. And we love to hear that he has won his battle with cancer. Yep. And they're, uh, I think, tied for first in the division. So You are technically right. And so <laughs> as wild as the West is going to be, or as wild as the West will be, the East is certainly wild as well, just in a different kind of wild. I think we're going to have our first like five-win team go to the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> that will be a hoot. But, you know, the rules state, somebody from the division's got to win the division, and 
they're going to get a ticket to the playoffs. So, yeah, can't argue with that. But it is a bit odd when all four teams in the NFC West are probably better than the four teams in the AFC West. But or the sorry, the NFC East. But let's move on here in the Pro Bears section. We'll go to the guys on the offensive ball, starting with the Thursday night game. Actually, um, Philadelphia tight end Richard Rodgers. Six catches for 85 and a very quality win over the New York football Giants. And Rodgers really, and I don't want to get confused with Aaron, but Richard Rodgers seems like he's really starting to be an, a key cog for Philadelphia now that Ertz and Goddard are both tight ends on the IR. Yeah, no, it's really cool to see. I mean, Richard Rodgers, I know, was a guy who came in that everybody was so excited about a cow and he showed what he could do. And he's had a couple of games in the NFL where he's done some good things. Um, Rodgers at Hail Mary and things right. like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he was always a great receiver, and I think uh, the Eagles' offense is a perfect situation for him, and he's showcasing his talent. So hopefully uh, he can continue to perform and give him a few more years in the league. Yeah, I like to hear that. I like to hear that. And sticking with Rodgers, we'll go to Green Bay quarterback A.A. Ron Rodgers. He bounces back after his not-so-great performance last week. This week, 23 of 34, 283 yards. Four tugger-duggers, two to his favorite target, Devontae Adams, and Green Bay. They got back to their winning ways and really rolled on Houston. Yeah. Um, Aaron looked good, and that's kind of what you're used to seeing. Protection was a little bit better this week. And, uh, you know, Houston's not a very good team, but that doesn't really take away from having a great game. And, you know, they were missing uh, Jones, their running back, as well, and they still uh, played an awesome game. So uh, glad to see Aaron back playing uh you know towards a you know he's probably top 10 in the mvp category right now so he's continuing to do that yeah i definitely say so i went without the kind of one poor start that he had uh rogers another guy just looks super locked in this year i think he he came in motivated he came in with a plan and for the most part they're executing it extremely well also in that green bay houston game probably the best performer for houston in that game Hashtag Pro Bear, Houston punter, as we talked about last week. Brian Anger had a very similar stat line, actually. Four punts for a total of 205 yards. He had a 51.3 average. Two punts that landed inside the 20, and he had a long of 68 yards. Yep. Yeah. As, as we mentioned, he's incredible. So hopefully you can continue that and, uh, you know, have a Pro Bowl year and maybe get a little bonus. Yeah, and, you know, you never want to have – the punter be your outstanding player on the team because then it's like well how much work is this guy getting if he's you, you know I get it I get it and Houston they're another team right now that's kind of struggling to find their identity so anger is getting kind of a lot of work but you know we're going to shout him out when he performs well you know that moving yeah. on from him we'll go back to the Motor City Detroit one of your boys wide receiver Marvin Harrison played a good game five grabs 80 yards and they got a very odd last second win over atlanta i'm sure you caught the todd Gurley mishap um i did uh marv jones is just a stud he had a couple i think he had like around 80 yards receiving great game you know that was so weird Gurley uh kind of losing balance getting in the end zone and then the falcons doing faculty falcons things and figuring out a way to lose a game um and a uh, good job by stafford on that last play um shedding that uh, tackle and keeping his eyes downfield and making that throw. Was, uh, yeah, and finding his guy. And, yeah, I, I want to correct myself there. Sorry, I, of course, said the Hall of Famer, Marvin Harrison. But, no, <laughs> as you corrected me, who had maybe possibly a future Hall of Famer, wide receiver Marvin Jones is who we were referring to. Hashtag Pro Bear, great player. He, um, you know, always leaves his 
leaves his heart on the field. And yeah, that was just a really weird game. But this year, everything's been weird for Atlanta. They have lost a game really everywhere, any way you can lose a game. And that to me is just, it's, it's a crazy phenomenon going on. It is. I mean, it's just like ever since that Super Bowl where they lost that lead to the Patriots, they just kind of lost confidence. And I don't know if it's play calling or players messing up assignments. It's probably a little bit of both, but it's or uh, it's perhaps pretty... someone cast them with a very, very ill-intentioned spell. Yeah. But right, something strange is going on there. The whole you know, I, I, I like Matt Ryan as a player, but you know, it's not really my concern right now how Atlanta's doing. But yeah. it is strange. Sticking with wide receivers, we'll move to L.A. Chargers wide receiver. Had a hell of a game. Keenan Allen, 10 grabs, 125 yards, and helps the Bolts secure their ever-elusive, only their second win. You know, they played some good games this year, and that's only their second win. Yeah, I think Keenan's probably very excited to have uh, Herbert in the lineup. Um, that kid just keeps on showing that he, he looked good again. super talent. And I don't want to take shots at Oregon, but like. How the hell did we not see this at U of O? <laughs> yeah. With this kid, they should have been an after championship type team. Um, but uh, yeah, he's he's very impressive quarterback. I think he's you know on the way to break records for a rookie quarterback in terms of touchdowns and everything like that. And, and uh, Keenan, you know, he was having a great game against the Saints before he got hurt as well. Um, so it was good to see him back on the field, uh, looking definitely like an All Pro. Yeah, that was a fun game to watch just because you have a couple young Pac-12 quarterbacks going head-to-head. Minshew, he, everybody in the country knows who he is now, gets, gets a lot of publicity. I, I definitely think he can play. I think I don't know if he's quite up to the hype that he gets, but I think Minshew can play. But Herbert, man, he, he has looked better every week. He, he plays poised. He plays productive. And every, even, even the games they've lost, they were all close games, and it just seemed to be kind of – strange things happening like Herbert he's a ball player for sure and I think the Chargers got a good one with him yeah and Minshew he's been a great quarterback Um, he's played so many games you know I think he was a seventh round pick or a free agent um the Jags are just an absolute mess right now they're not good their defense isn't good um Minshew's kept them in some of the games um I think he's played pretty well Uh, I heard you know that they might be talking about replacing him with Glennon but I mean Mm. Minshew's not the Jaguars problem at all no absolutely not I think their whole defense was dismantled. The whole organization kind of seems in fritz at the moment. Who am I to say? I've never ran an organization <laughs> whatsoever in my life, but I it just, just doesn't seem like a productive, even just work environment at the time. So yeah. maybe in coming years they can get him a little bit more help over there because, as, as you mentioned, no, I don't think Minshew is the source of their problems, and I, I think he's the right guy to start for them. Yeah, it kind of looks like the Texans. You know, They're just getting rid of some of their top talent in the weirdest ways um, and you know this uh, you, you wonder if they're that big of an issue or if it's something else but you know you let Leonard Fournette walk away pretty much for free um, right is interesting and uh, you know a lot he of took their, his talents to Tampa Bay yeah you know a lot of their defensive talent from the past few years trading people getting rid of them so sure Ramsey uh, yeah you don't know what's going on in the organization but uh, what a drop from two years ago to now yeah, I feel like it wasn't that long ago they were in the uh, conference title game. But, yeah, the point is moot. The rest is history. Why don't we end this week's episode here with our final hashtag pro bear. The most recent game just ended here on Monday Night Football. Los Angeles Rams quarterback Jared Goff, 22 of 33 tonight for 219 yards, two scores, and the Rams really just trounced Foles and Dub Bears under the bright lights tonight. Yeah, um, 
like I said, a very efficient game, and uh, the Bears' defense is very solid. I mean, you saw what they did to Tampa Bay a couple weeks ago. Um, and, uh, you know, Jerry missed a couple throws there, but they were more like short. I don't think I would have done much with him, but he made the throws when he needed to and looked good. And the Rams won another game. So I think they're tied for second in the league with the Cardinals right now. Um, so. Yeah, I think they're both at 4-2. and two, And then, obviously, the Seahawks still on top at 5-1. and one. And then the Niners at the bottom still looking really good themselves. I believe the Niners are at four and three. Mm. So, yeah, extremely tight division. And I don't know how it could work out, but I wonder if all four teams could make the playoffs since now there's kind of the extra spot in each conference. But there may be a, like a, a rule kind of impeding that. But that would be really interesting to see an entire division make the postseason. I know. It would be interesting. I wonder if there's too many uh... – divisional games for losses to add up yeah, we gotta look, right right we gotta right look, we got to look at that, the, that might be a mathematical certainty that that can't work yeah. out that line always sticks out to me when i watch the titanic and they ask the engineer if there's any chance they can save the boat save the boat and he tells them no it is a mathematical <laughs> certainty she will no. sink We're all and good. like the whole thing in about the titanic they're like it's unsinkable but like I don't know what year that was like 1912 that was the year Fenway Park opened in Boston so obviously technological advances have been made since then folks Kevin and I both want to thank you very much for tuning in with us this week on the Golden Bear Necessities here on Believe in Cal Football on the Believe Podcast Network Kevin give him some words to have a fair farewell Go Bears we'll update you at the last scrimmage of the year and watch some good football this week and prepare ourselves for the first game of the year that's right go bears i think this will upcoming weekend should be the last weekend without golden bear football am i right that's right all right so we managed to get through it we at a point didn't think we would have a season at all but look at us now we are here kevin as always thank you thank you very much fans get ready we're gonna have some guests coming for you later in the season and i know we're all ready for some football so folks have a good night this evening kevin i'll see you soon Sounds good. Go Bears. Go Bears. Believe in Cal Football is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network in Northern California, and is available on all major platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, you name it. Believe in Cal Football is also brought to you by Oeste Bar, Cafe, and Rooftop, located downtown Oakland, and the QL Gaming Group. Check out their betting boards at Bet ql.co thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.